Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is David Granger, the founder and CEO of Methuselah Health. Website is Methuselah-Health.com. David, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Richard. Yeah, thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. I know you're overseas, and uh, you know it's, it's late evening for you, or middle evening, but uh, thank you again for coming. Delighted to be here. Yeah, so uh, tell me about Methuselah Health. What's the premise of the company? Well, Methuselah Health uh, was founded uh, in 2014 uh, following a, a visit I made to Croatia when I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Professor Miroslav Radman. Uh, he's a guy who's been working for uh, the past decade or more on uh, proteome instability and its role in aging. And, and I got a, a first-hand insight from him uh, into the importance of, of protein damage rather than DNA damage as the central clock of aging. And that, that's what, what uh, drove us on to, to found Methuselah. Yeah, what, I haven't even heard about this. What is... Um... What causes protein damage or which proteins that get damaged and what's the consequence? Well, I, I think most most of us, uh, certainly I did prior to meeting Professor Radman, thought that as we got older, we accumulated mutations in our DNA. As the DNA sequence degrades, so we would make less good proteins. And if the proteins aren't as good, then your function would decline. Your muscles wouldn't work as well. You'd get neurodegeneration and all that good stuff. Um, but what, what Professor Radman 
Chapman did uh, about 10 years ago now was a fascinating experiment in uh, radiation-resistant bacteria called Deinococcus radiodurans. Uh, and this bacteria is truly amazing. It can survive uh, about 10 times the level of gamma irradiation that most bugs like E. coli can survive. And Professor Radman and others were very interested in, in why it was. What made the, these bacteria so resistant? Was their DNA somehow able to resist the, the damage of the radiation? Well, it turns out the answer is no. The DNA is damaged to just the same extent in these radiation-resistant bugs as it is in, in the commoner garden variety. What is different is the ability of the proteins in, that, in those bacteria to resist damage from the radiation. And as long as the proteins are intact, they can repair the DNA, they put right the, the damage, the breaks in the DNA, and the bacteria can continue to survive. Whereas in the commoner garden bugs, the radiation fries the proteins, the proteins can't repair the DNA, and, uh, and, and the bacteria die. And, and Professor Radman's central premise was that that's exactly the same thing that's happening in, in humans uh, as we age. Our DNA is, is still being kept in good order by the proteins. Uh, so uh, the problem lies when those proteins become damaged and then uh, all kinds of age-related diseases ensue. Uh, and this is really important because uh, while we think that the, the issue is with the DNA, then uh, we, we tend to focus on, on studies like GWAS and on genomics, and we hope that the answers to diseases like Alzheimer's might come from ever larger population genetic studies. Um, and yet there is this very real possibility that the answer doesn't even lie in the DNA, that unless we look at the proteins, we're, we're actually missing the, the whole of the action in aging and age-related diseases. Hmm. So what, what, are, what are they thinking the mechanisms of uh, protein damage are in people? What are maybe the main ways that it happens? And when does it happen? And is there a threshold at which there's a, a whole cascade of problems in a person once there's a certain amount of damage? Absolutely. So um, protein damage is inevitable. Uh, we're, we're living in a world with oxygen, which is, is oxidizing uh, proteins. We use glucose as an energy source, which reacts with amino acids in our proteins. We've got reactive oxygen species from, from mitochondria. Proteins are under constant assault from the environment and, and ever have been so throughout evolution. Um, normally, of course, that makes precious little difference because if you damage the protein wreck it the DNA is still intact you can just make a shiny new copy of the protein but uh, just occasionally if the damaged version of the protein has a longer half-life than the than the undamaged version then instead of it just disappearing and getting replaced by a new copy you end up with that damaged protein accumulating over time and it's really that that that's the, the problem in aging you're accumulating these uh, hyperstable variants, uh, damaged variants uh, uh, during aging. Uh, okay. Um, uh, are there any uh, ways to mitigate this through diet or medication or <clears throat> not being exposed to certain things? 
So I, I think uh, it, it's probably going to be difficult to uh, mitigate it by uh, by protecting the proteins more generally. Um, you know, avoiding smoking is probably a good idea. You know, avoiding drinking too much alcohol is probably a good idea. These probably somewhat accelerate the rate of protein damage more generally. But Methuselah's uh, raison d'etre really is to try and use this new insight to uh, identify the target for, for drug development. Uh, and what Methuselah has, what we have spent the last three or four years developing, is the world's first quantitative platform for measuring uh, protein damage uh, in samples taken from patients with the aim of identifying which particular proteins uh, become damaged uh, in certain diseases such as Alzheimer's disease, for example. And once we have identified the proteins that are damaged, uh, it should be quite straightforward to design uh, molecular sticking plasters, molecules that will bind uh, to those uh, damaged proteins so as to, uh, as to help the body clear them uh, out of the tissue and so prevent uh, the progression of the disease or even, or even cure the individual. Okay. Well, what are, what are some uh, therapies that are being worked on or is it not at that point yet where you know enough to, to create therapies? So we, our first uh, target protein uh, is actually something that's that's been uh, looked at, known about in the field of Alzheimer's disease, for example, and in cardiovascular disease uh, for a very long while, and that's uh, a protein called apolipoprotein E. Uh, we, with our uh, new platform, we've been able to identify uh, a damaged form of apolipoprotein E that accumulates uh, in the disease state. And we're working uh, now on, uh, on drug development programs specifically to target that damaged apolipoprotein E. It's obviously at a very early stage of the research, and uh, you know it'll probably be a decade uh, before the molecules coming through from from this new approach uh, are, are likely to reach patients. But uh, the, the the important thing is really by turning our heads away from the DNA and looking at the proteins, we're approaching this in a in an orthogonal way to the rest of the global pharmaceutical industry, and indeed uh, much of the rest of the academic communities. This is you know. <laughs> really turning left when everyone else is turning right. And uh, as I'm sure you're aware, we've had a lot of disappointments in, in age-related diseases. We, you know, we've seen a lot of failed studies for uh, new approaches to Alzheimer's disease. We've seen the anti-amyloids fail. Um, people are, are, you know, are really making very little progress despite the enormous demand for these agents. And so by perhaps looking where other people are not looking, we, we, we think we you know, have an opportunity perhaps to... Uh, to, to make the first uh, positive steps there for patients. Well, what are some of the effects that you think you can attribute to protein damage? Any specifics in terms of aging? Is it is it the gray hair? Is it the you know senility? Is it? I mean, what what specifics can you tie it to, or is it everything? Well, it, I think uh, I mean, some of, some of the most obvious things associated with with aging most definitely are are, are associated with protein damage. Wrinkles, for example, uh, are caused by lack of elasticity in the skin as a result of cross-linking of the collagen molecules that are present in skin. So that most visible sign of aging is is already uh, well established to be associated with protein damage. Uh, Methuselah simply proposes that the loss of function in other 
tissues in in your brain you know as you develop type 2 diabetes as you get cardiovascular disease and atherosclerosis that all of these age related degenerative diseases are actually caused in in exactly the same way as wrinkles just by accumulating long lived damaged proteins okay um is there any possibility of supplementing with proteins that get damaged or is it would that not work with the proteins not go to the right place or be digested or you know, what kind of therapies again come to mind because of your exploration? Well, I guess the, the therapies have to be focused on removing the long-lived damaged protein, adding it's not a loss of the, the good stuff that's the problem here. It's, it's what we call in biology a, a toxic gain of function. So having the, having the bad stuff is what is causing the problem rather than the absence of the good stuff because the good stuff is actually still there as well. The gene uh, is still turning out good copies of the protein uh, in plentiful amounts. The, the function of the tissue has been damaged by the presence of the bad stuff. So it's mechanisms for, for removing proteins that you don't want. So uh, there are drugs out there. I mean, there are good examples of small molecules that combine to proteins and change the way they fold. Uh, Vertex have a, a couple of, of excellent molecules in the field of cystic fibrosis. These are small molecules that bind to the mutant cystic fibrosis pr- uh, channel protein and cause it to fold in a different way, to fold in the normal way, and so improve the function of that protein. We'd like to copy exactly that kind of approach to make small molecules that will bind to damaged proteins like APOE and make them fold in the normal way and hence get get cleared away by the the normal mechanisms. But you can certainly envisage other uh, approaches too. There's a, a lot of Uh, interest at the moment in a a strategy which are called protax. These are uh, small molecules that bind to proteins and recruit uh, E3 ubiquitin ligase, which is an enzyme that tags proteins for destruction. It puts on a ubiquitin tag onto the proteins that it's moved to the cellular destruction machinery. And, you know, an approach like that could also be very effective in removing these these toxic, stable proteins that are accumulating in uh, aging tissues. Yeah, so the proteins, are they accumulating in every cell in the body, or is it localized? You know, are there different kinds of accumulation that maybe would be more treatable than others, you found? Yeah, I, I think we're we're only at an early stage of, of cataloging these uh, accumulating proteins. Um, they'll probably accumulate to a greater extent in, in some tissues than in others. Uh, certain tissues turn over much faster than others. Your, your liver, for example, has excellent regenerative capability. The cells can, uh, can, can divide uh, and repopulate the liver. There's relatively little extracellular matrix. So you're making, if you like, new liver on a, on a regular basis. So it's probably less prone to accumulating these kind of damaging molecules than, than much more stable tissues. Your, your heart cells, your muscle cells uh, in your blood vessel wall, uh, your neurons and your brain in particular is seeing very little turnover uh, for obvious reasons. You, you obviously can't turn over your brain. If you 
got rid of your brain and replaced it with some new neurons, they'd be connected in different ways, all your memories would have gone, everything that makes you, you would have gone. So your brain has to be stable over years and decades, and that very stability makes it at risk from the accumulation of these kinds of damaged proteins. So, you know, neurodegeneration is certainly the the poster child, if you like, for the Methuselah Health approach. Okay, makes sense. Um, within the world of proteins, you know, there's many different ones, there's many different places where the degeneration happens. What what kind of machinery do we have that um, keeps our proteins in shape and stops, um, you know, bad copies from accumulating all over the place? You know, what, what about that side of it? What's, what natural mechanisms do we have? Yeah, the body has evolved, as you might guess, some pretty amazing general mechanisms for getting rid of of damaged proteins. Um, the, perhaps the most uh, obvious one is the uh, uh, the carbohydrate tags that are put onto glycoprotein. Uh, they act as as something like a use by date that you might find on on fresh food that you buy in the supermarket. So when the protein's made, it gets a, a sugar tag put on the outside that's got lots of copies of the sialic sialic acid sugar uh, on the end of that sugar tag. And gradually, over days and weeks in the body, those sialic acid residues are are shaved off each time that protein circulates around the body, passes the liver, another sialic acid is taken off the tag, until eventually the counter sets to zero. There are no more sialic acid residues left, and that tag now binds to a receptor called the acyloglycoprotein receptor on the liver, and that protein is withdrawn from circulation. So uh, a good analogy for that would be, you know, the way that, that the, uh, the treasury takes money out of circulation when, uh, when a dollar bill is getting a little bit tatty and torn and ripped. It's taken out of circulation and, and new ones have been put in there. And the great thing about that mechanism is it's entirely time dependent. It's not even bothering to check if the proteins become damaged or not. It's just saying, if you're an old protein, time to get rid of you. And the body actually has... has, Sorry, go ahead. It doesn't know when a protein's old. What what markers tell it a protein has existed for a period of time? When, when the sialic acid residues on the end of the sugar tags have all been worn away, then that is what reveals the, uh, the protein to have, have passed its sell-by date and to be removed from the circulation. So it's a really, really it's clever mechanism. Yeah, I just, well, and it is a completely, you know, thought from out in left field, but it would be interesting if you could tag other molecules selectively, like cancer cells or other things, so that they, uh, they would attract a... A response in the body to get rid of them. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and and people have have done exactly these kinds of things. Um, and you know there are some cancer drugs out there that have been deliberately targeting these kinds of of, of tags for exactly that reason. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. It's amazing well, how the body. We, has... Yeah, we have other mechanisms very similar. We have a process which is called autophagy, which is uh, again. A, a, a very exciting general process inside cells that is designed to just eat up and get rid of damaged proteins, damaged organelles like mitochondria and ribosomes. So, uh, you, you know, 
in answer to your original question, we're well armed with mechanisms to try and protect us from the accumulation of these proteins, which is very probably why we managed to live for 70, 80, 90, even 100 years, because you know, we, we are armed by evolution with some excellent mechanisms for protecting us. But you know, as with anything, eventually they can become overwhelmed. The, uh, the, the, the mechanisms for clearing proteins, they themselves, of course, are proteins. The, the things that are doing this clearance of the damaged proteins through the acyloglycoprotein receptor that I talked about, the mechanism of autophagy, they are proteins themselves. So when they become damaged, then those protective mechanisms begin to fail. And you can see why there's a sort of positive feedback loop, why you live, you know, and you're pretty healthy for 70 years. And then over a relatively short period of time, you see, you know, a really quite dramatic deterioration in, you know, the look of, of people as they become elderly and frail. They start to lose function in all of their tissues. Their immune system isn't as good. Their, their muscles undergo what's called sarcopenia. So you get sort of loss of muscle strength. Uh, you know, grip strength goes down. Eyesight is going. Memory is going. You know, the whole lot is going because these fundamental uh, protective mechanisms uh, are, are running out of steam. So what is um what does the therapy look like to you if it if it can be made you know what do you envision in the next year three years five years ten years that um, you continue down this path with your research what do you think a, a therapy will look like well I think there there are going to be multiple strands to this I I think the the, the easiest approach are are drugs small molecule drugs uh, that bind to damaged proteins and help the body clear them uh, they will probably help a bit for a while, but if the fundamental mechanisms of clearing damaged proteins are, are, are no longer functional, even if we, this is, you know, the problem, even if we help avoid that, you know, you, you're accumulating this toxic protein that's going to cause, for example, Alzheimer's disease, then something else terrible is going to happen in fairly short order because you're, you're, you're naked now. You're not protected anymore by these, these mechanisms that uh, evolution put in place to look after your proteome. So, you know, those drugs may be, you know, the first generation. To go beyond that, we're going to have to start looking at drugs that, that, that can uh, improve the quality of the proteins that your body is making. And, you know, we're, we're, we're just taking the very first steps at, at, at uh, trying uh, agents that might, for example, slow down the weight, rate at which ribosomes, which are the, the subcellular uh, organelle, the factory that makes all the individual proteins. If you make them go a little bit more slowly, then uh, just like a, a scribe copying a, a manuscript, they'll make less mistakes. And if they make less mistakes, you'll make better quality proteins, less uh, susceptible to damage. And, you know, potentially aging can be slowed down in that kind of way. But, you know, now I'm talking about, you know, the, the blue skies end of the Methuselah Health uh, research. We, we're not actively uh, pursuing drug, uh, drug development opportunities in those areas just yet. Okay. Is there a, anything on your short-term roadmap, any um, interesting projects that are close to, uh, to fruition that you're working on? So the, the, the first outcome, the, the first d 
deliverable, if you like, now that we have our platform for looking at damaged proteins. It's, it's really exciting because it's, it's rather like the first moment Galileo had his new telescope and he could look out into the depths of the universe in a way that no other living person had been able to do prior to that. We are able to take our platform now for the first time and look at the, the landscape of damaged proteins that are present in, in diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes, in atherosclerosis, in autoimmune disease, uh, in, in neurodegeneration. And those projects are running right now. And over the next uh, year to 18 months, we're going to get the description of what are the damaged proteins in those diseases. And I think that will give us, you know, even before the drug development projects, you know, get into the clinic, that will give us uh, a whole new insight into the biological mechanisms uh, in these aging, age-related diseases. So th there's something to look forward to quite soon, even if the, uh, the drugs might be a little bit further down the pipeline. Yeah, I should have asked you this earlier, but where did this idea come from? Did you... Uh... Were you sleeping and it came to you in a dream, or how did this how did this come to you? This premise. Uh, I think it, I think you know right at the beginning I I, I mentioned uh, Professor Miroslav Radman. So uh, this is the guy who uh, whose experiments on on the these radiation resistant bacteria first highlighted the importance of protein damage in determining you know when organisms die, uh, and it really was uh, from meeting him uh, in uh, at the Mediterranean Institute of Life sciences in in split in croatia uh, that 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 triggered uh, the story that i've just told you and professor radman who's a, an advisor to methuselah health uh, he and i have been uh, you know talking regularly to you know to develop this idea to the point that we think we've now got this this new uh, universal biological model for for aging okay well very good um how much help do you feel like you're going to need? Is this going to be a, an entire field of study in itself, it sounds like? And are you going to be trying to pull in a lot of resources to help you? Or, you know, do you want to just try to carry this torch on your own and, and go for it? I think, as you, you rightly inferred, um, first we just have to demonstrate that, that we're right. Uh, a lot of what I told you is is supposition and and imagination um, we're carrying out experiments that, that are you know designed to prove that this idea of proteome instability really is the causative uh, feature in these key diseases uh, when we've done that we have as you say created a, a new field of biology and we're certainly not going to be able to uh, exploit all of that uh, on our own even if we grew Methuselah to 10 times uh, its current size uh, and so uh, the, the plan is that we're discussing uh, collaborations with uh, large pharmaceutical companies who have much more drug development uh, capabilities than, than a small uh, UK-based biotech company. And by having an exclusive collaboration with a number of companies in different disease areas, we can effectively parallelize the, the, the drug discovery program. We can see programs working in Alzheimer's disease at the same time uh, as programs in, in autoimmunity, all built from the, the core platform that we have at Methuselah health so definitely a, a collaborative effort okay well very good um how can interested listeners uh find out more about this emerging field and if you wish you know get in contact with your company and uh you know, for possible collaboration or other things? Absolutely. Well, um, we we have a website at methuselah-health.com. 
Um, we're constantly uploading new materials uh, there, uh, the articles, the references to uh, the scientific literature. We've got uh, a couple of, uh, of new videos that we've made describing these uh, concepts in a bit more detail. So that, that, that's uh, the central resource that we're pulling together now uh, around this field. And obviously the updates uh, will appear there as, as the research progresses. Okay. Well, very good. Well, David, thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, we're all hoping out there that you make a lot of breakthroughs. So thank you for your good work. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, in their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.